Well, how many of y'all were here last week just so I can see? Okay, so that's a lot of girls. Did you quiet your heart this week? Did you pay attention? Did you listen? Were you reminded to listen? Like, what is my heart actually saying? This, this heart that's been with me for my whole life that I barely listen to. I'm praying y'all really make room. Continue to practice this over these weeks and beyond. Quiet your soul and listen to what your heart has to say to you because your heart has a lot to say and God has a lot to say through it. Tonight we're gonna begin where we left off because for the girls who are new here tonight, I don't wanna leave anybody behind. I'm gonna put up on the screen Proverbs 4.20, so the title of this series is A Heart Well Tended. We're going to start here, and we're going to recite it together. Listen carefully to everything that I teach you, and pay close attention to all I have to say. Fill your thoughts with my words until they penetrate deep into your spirit. Then as you unwrap my words, they will impart true life and radiant health into the very core of your being. So above all else, guard your own heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. As women of worth, we learned last week to be mindful of what we hear, what we speak, where we walk, and what we set before our eyes. All tools that God gave us to guard our most valuable commodity, our heart. Remember, our heart is the place where Jesus dwells. You know people, you're here tonight for the first time. You know people who you say they have a kind heart. They have a pure heart. They have a generous heart. Or they have a hard heart. Those are all real things because your heart is a living entity. So when the Bible says above all else, that's what we're doing over these four weeks. I'm giving you principles. When you say above all else, you know what that means? It means above all else. That means there's everything else, and then there's this. So the wisest man, remember, that ever lived outside of Jesus, his name was King Solomon, and King Solomon penned this passage. He experienced all of life. And if you go to Israel, there's King David's temple, there's King Solomon's temple. He's a viable voice today. So when he says above all else, guard your own heart with all diligence, because as it goes, so will your life go. We learned that our hearts deserve to be cared for because as our heart goes, so our life goes. Um, tonight we get to discuss, okay, tonight's title, let me just, a little, little precursor. There's no two people alike, so I'm just going to give you principles, but your home is different than my home. You're different should be home than anyone else's home because there's no two people alike, there's no two homes alike, but the, the title tonight is The Heart of a home well-tended. And y'all, our greatest commodity outside of our relationship with Jesus, our marriage, our children, is our home. It's our greatest investment. So the priority of tending your home well is a big deal. Nothing screams heart outside of our families more than our homes. I'm gonna say this, there's some ground rules. No girl is going to leave here tonight beat up, condemned, whipped, 
sad, depressed. This is not correction. It's just instruction. I'm just affirming you like I learned when I was a young mom and a young wife and a young homemaker how to tend my home. And guess how I learned it? From older women and the principles in the word of God. I'm presenting that to you. Remember I said last week, I'm not doing this study for you. What did I say? I'm doing this study with you. Because guess what? We still have a lot to learn. I stand here with a lot to learn. And I'm going to have a little um, self-disclosure here. Just to level the playing field, if y'all will. So last time I did this study, I'm in my kitchen. And I get to this part, heart, home well-tended. And I'm telling my daughter-in-law. My daughter-in-laws are daughters to me, right? Except they think I am the madame. They think they have to do it all the way that I do it, right? Because they think Miss Michelle does it the best. Maybe I'm the best one who does it in their life. I don't know. So I'm, I'm talking at the kitchen. I'm like, Rochelle, pray for me. Like, I'm really nervous about this Bible study. And I mean, who, like, who am I? I mean, I love homemaking. I love tending my home. But I'm like, I'm not all that. And she's like, oh, my God, Miss Michelle, you're the best. You're going to kill it. You're going to crush it. It's amazing what they're going to learn from you. And I'm like, I mean, maybe. Games in the background. She goes, you know what? Let's make some cookies for the guys. That'd be great. I take John Wesley, my grandson. I walk over to the other side of my kitchen, and I hear her open in my oven, and she goes, oh, my God, this is disgusting. I'm like, what? She goes, how long has this food been in here? And honestly, I'm thinking, Amberly moved eight days ago, so it had to be at least eight days that that food had been in the oven. Okay. I said, Rochelle, that's what I'm talking about. I have to go teach these women. I have food in the oven for eight days. Who does this? Now, I do have two ovens, so it wasn't like I wasn't cooking for eight days, okay? But that, I mean, just, it was what it was, okay? Um, Ms. Michelle? Oh, yes? Okay, full disclosure moment. What? Was, was it only one time that this happened? Lindsay has been my assistant for 20 years until today. <laughs> go go what ahead. Do about? it without me. Go ahead. Wait, what? I said, go ahead. Do it without me. It is true. I use my oven like as a little side storage thing. Am I the only one who does that? Be honest. I am? Well, thank you. Okay, listen to me. So there's no one who has perfected the art of attending your home, right? And the person who we thought perfected it was Martha Stewart. And look where her little butt ended up. <laughs> in jail. Remember when we all had to do it because Martha Stewart did it? So she did it that way and we did it that way because she was the queen of doing it until she wasn't. Okay, so we all do it a little different. It's okay. Okay. But tonight, my heart is to encourage you to revisit the condition, the condition of the actual heart of your home. The definition of a house, and if you're taking notes, you can write some of these things down. It's a building for human habitation. It's a place of refreshing where our souls choose to dwell. Just think about that. So when you think of your home, it's not just a home. It's a place where people live. It's where your soul is refreshed. It's a place where you calm your soul and you prepare for the next day to do this crazy life. 
There are houses and there are homes. And I want y'all to know this. Pastor Casanova and I have traveled the world. We've been to a lot of different places. We get to be hosted. When we went to the Bible Museum, we were hosted by the Green family, who are the founders of Hobby Lobby. So, you know, we're staying in the presidential suite. It's a big deal, right? I love walking through their homes. They're gorgeous. They're like museums. I'm always in awe. They've gathered things from all around the world like you can never get enough. But I'm going to be honest, they're houses, they're not homes. It is not where I would choose to dwell. I don't want to live in a museum. I want to live in a home, maybe like you. I don't know what your preference is. Because a home is a place we live, it's our private space where we can just be, I can just be me. You can just be you. Because ladies, we all know the saying, there is no place like, as there's no place like your home. There's no place like my home. It's not any home. It's my home. Second to our walk with Jesus and our families, our home is our greatest investment. And my home, and I wrote this for y'all, more than a structure, these are just a few things that I wrote about my home. My home is an office. So all of these, I, Pastor Jacob and I, you might find this hard to believe. The church is 25 years old. We have all these campuses we have never had an office at any one of our church facilities, ever. Everything we do is out of our home. I have a home office. Pastor Jacob has a home office. So my home is an office. It's where we plan all these Arise conferences. We do all of that out of our home. My home is a hospital. It's where I mend and tend my family, my husband, my grandchildren when they're ill. My home has been a birthing center. I've given birth to four boys in my home, nine-pound babies. Mind you, somebody put a star on my mama chart. <laughs> my home is a restaurant. I love to cook. I may not be the best cook, but I'm a good cook, and I love to cook and host people, good southern girl with food. My home is a theater. My husband, for his, he's 65, for his 60th birthday, somebody gave him a screen, not as big as this one, but some huge big TV for them to watch games on. Consequently, everybody comes to our house because we have the big screen. And guess what? Miss Michelle's cooking food. And what could be more fun than hanging out with Miss Michelle in the kitchen eating good food? So my home is a theater. My home is a counseling center. You may find this hard to believe, but it's true. If you've called to meet with me, I'm never going to meet with you at one of our campuses. I'm going to meet with you in my home. And you're going to come sit on my sofa because I want to be comfortable when I'm sharing a moment with you, and I want you to be comfortable when you're sharing your treasures with me. That is my home. My home is a retreat. It's where we just come to refresh our literal souls. We're all busy, like your family's very busy. I remember being a little girl. I was the fifth of seven children. I was in between four boys. And I remember pretty much every Saturday, my mom and dad worked, and they have this beautiful little raised, like, raised house and a little brick pathway up a little beautiful white picket fence yard. Still, they have it today. Every Saturday, I married one of my brothers. Every single Saturday. You put the bath towel on your head, and you make the little flower things, the little crowns, those little tr trashy little clover flowers. You give all your jewelry flowers, you know, and you make one of your brothers walk you up, and the other brother has to officiate. And then I would go in the house, and because my parents were working, then I would just play like I was the mama of the whole house all day Saturday. It was one of my most favorite things to do. My imagination was so big. I did not know that the desire of my heart was really going to come to pass because it's really what I wanted to do with my life. People dream all kinds of things. I dreamt 
about being a homemaker. So I had my teddy bears, and I had my bunnies, and I had my baby dolls, and those were my children, okay, because I was going to create an environment, right? Pastor Castanova and I get married, and we lived in a 1,500-square-foot studio apartment. So I'm going to tell you how small this apartment is. That's my very first house. We had absolutely nothing. So this is not an exaggeration. So if this is my kitchen sink, this is my kitchen and this is my living room, okay? Because then there's a bathroom and a bedroom. That's about 500 square feet. The kitchen was so small that you had to have a table that was propped up against the wall so you could go into the kitchen to prepare your meal for your man, right? And then you would come outside your kitchen where your dishes were because they couldn't fit in the kitchen. Then you put that down and you set the table and you say, he's right there. Baby, dinner served. <laughs> Baby, dinner served, you know, and then they serve and you only have two chairs. Right? And then you eat your little meal. And then you say, okay, you can go into the living room while I clean the kitchen. And he's right there. Okay. I'm saying this because we all start somewhere. I don't know where you're living right now. I don't know if you're living in a trailer, an apartment, a starter home, your forever home. I don't know where you are. But I want to say something to you about the heart of a home. And I never want you to forget this. And for women who are older, kind of like me, Y'all tell me if this is true. I now live in a beautiful home. I'm, I'm eight houses down the road because we kept having children. We had to keep moving homes, right? I live in a beautiful home. I am no more happy today than I was in that little studio apartment. Raise your hands if, if you know what I'm saying is true. And girls, you look at all these wise women who are testifying. I mean that with all my heart. I put as much of my heart into that little tiny apartment as I do into my home today. It's not the structure. It's the heart of what you invest into what God has given you. It's called stewardship. What has he placed in your hand to tend? And I said it before, but is it an apartment? Is it a trailer? Is it a lavish home? Is it a starter home? There's a passage, girls, and it's a principle in the word of God. The Bible says at the end of our days, we're going to stand before God. And I love this about God because he makes things so childlike. Nothing about God is complicated. He says we're going to stand before him, and he's prayerfully going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And that tells me that what God honors is faithfulness and a servant's heart. He's not going to say, well done, thou good and accomplished. Well done, thou good and educated. Well done, thou good and wealthy. Well done, thou good and... That's not what he's going to say. The passage that you can write down is Luke 16, 10. It says, whoever can be trusted with very little will be trusted with a lot. And that is a heart check for me. We have a saying in our house, when you take care of the small things, the big things end up taking care of themselves. You don't start with the big things. It really is, it's a principle. You take, what do we teach our children, Lauren? Okay, you're not teaching them how to manage a business. You're teaching them the art of faithfulness, how to keep their room clean, how to keep themselves clean how to be kind to their siblings. It's when you take care of the small things, you take that out in life now. How are you treating those around you? Those are small things. Take care of the small things. The big things take care of themselves. And one of the passages that I've always loved 
It's Proverbs 38 through 9, and it says this, and it convicts me every time I read it. Lord, don't let me be so rich that I don't need you or so poor that I have to resort to dishonesty just to make ends meet. Then my life will never cease from bringing glory to your name. The Lord knows what each one of us can handle, and he's kind enough to give us what we can handle. When Pastor Jacob and I had basically nothing, do you know what we could handle at that season in our life? Basically nothing. That's the truth. And I was 18. What, 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 what do you think he's going to give me? And then when he gave us a little bit more, do you know what we were able to handle? A little bit more. Resistance builds strength, right? And it comes incremental. And it all goes back to faithfulness. It's all about your perspective, a heart of gratitude for whatever you have in your season. At the beginning of the year, the Lord spoke to me. You, know, you pray and say, Lord, help me define this year. So this year... We had just planted our sixth campus. I turned 60. I have six children, so you're smart enough to track with me the number six, right? And I'm praying, and my husband is a guy who's going to work until he takes his last breath because that's how he's wired. That's his love language. I have two sons that are just like him. I, however, am not. And I called my pastor, and I said, Pastor Jim, I really feel like the Lord gave me this word. And the word was, know the times and the seasons and acknowledge them as such. And I want to submit this to you, because Pastor Jim, I don't want to work. I love everybody. I love what I get to do tonight. I do a lot for women's ministry at all of our campuses. We do a lot of hosting out of our home all the time. Anyone who knows us knows that's true. But I don't want to work until I take them. I want to go sit with my grandchildren. I want to go fishing. I want to go, I mean, come on, y'all, I'm serious. I got some play in me, I'm going to be honest. I know that's hard for y'all to believe. And he said, Michelle, you're 100% right. Know the time and season. He said, this year I want you to say no more than you say yes. Because it's a season. And you know what? It won't always be. The season will change. And I don't know what the next season will need of me. So this season, the Lord has been very kind to me. So the fact that I'm spending this moment with y'all is a big deal. Where you find yourself today may not be where you find yourself tomorrow. Acknowledge your season and be true to your season. Because see, let me just tell you one of the things I've learned about women. And this is going to all tie into being content with what you have in your home. I spend a lot of time dealing with women who I say have heart dis-ease. Their hearts are conflicted. And I'm going to tell you why. There's a passage that says, Luke 10, 27, you shall love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Because that's the whole of who you are, girls. But let me tell you what most girls are doing. Most girls are physically here. So they're, they're let me stay on track. So their, their body is here. Their heart is with their child in California who's going through a divorce. Their mind is with their husband who's getting a pay cut at his job. Their strength is, is like fainting because of all the stress. And their soul is troubled. And that means when they show up to anywhere, let's just start with their home, they're bringing about 25% of who they are. That's what their family's getting out of them. But y'all for the chick who's wise enough to love the Lord with all her heart, all her soul, all her mind, all her strength, that girl 
shows up fully present where she is at the moment. That girl is a force to be reckoned with. That's how a girl produces a lot in her life because she shows up. She brings all the girls with her, body, soul, mind, and strength. Are y'all tracking with me? She's an all-in kind of girl. See, we were created, God created us. You're not just a girl in this room. Listen to me. You're created in his image, in his likeness. I told you this last week. You are his beloved. I want all of y'all just to look at your hands right now. I just want you to put your hands like this. And I'm going to say something, and it's going to be hard for you to believe, but it's true. On your worst day, you are the hands of Jesus. This is it, you, me. What you're seeing in front of you is the hands of Jesus because Christ dwells within you. Y'all, we're all he has. We're the avenue that he uses to love people, to serve people, to tend people, to bless people, to create environments. We're not just any girl. We're the girl who's created in his image and in his likeness, and we know it. So woven within our very being is the desire to create because we're created in his image, and he is God, the creator. Y'all, I've walked into, it's hard to believe what I just told you, the revelation of that, but because of being married to my husband, you know, we go to all these delegation meetings and all this stuff, and they'll, you know, bring us to the front, and they put me sitting at the big girl table, and I'm literally looking at the table like, why am I sitting at this table? Like, there should be a big girl in this room somewhere, but you know they're looking at you because you're the big girl. They see you as the big girl. I'm saying that to you because the people who call you mom, the people who call you nanny, the people who call you grandmother, I don't know where you see yourself today, but they see you as the big girl in the room. You are a woman of influence. Use your influence wisely with the people that God has given you to have that influence with. I remember when they put that baby in my arms, Jacob Jr., it was 20 years old, and he was so adorable. I'm not going to Christian cuss or anything, but I literally was like, oh, crap. Like, they're going to, at 20 years old, like, I can't, I can't vote. I can't buy alcohol. I can't do, I can't, but they're going to send me home with a human being to, to raise? Oh, my God. Because responsibility, we love getting beautiful things until we realize the responsibility that comes with us. You know, you, you love your home until you realize the mortgage showed up the next month. It was all so fun when you got the keys, like, yay! Huh? Um, so in those moments when I felt like I got in over my head, I say this. James 1.5 says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives liberally. And I add to that passage my own version when I'm in over my head, I go over my head. And do you know who I go over my head to? Godly women in my life. Obviously, I pray. I go to Jesus. But then I take counsel with godly women in my life. You have godly women in your life. 
Her name might be Mama. I don't know what her name is. When you fall in over your head in all the areas we're going to talk about, just go over your head. The Bible says we're imitators. Half the things I've learned in my life, I get the credit for. I'm just imitating somebody else. I went to their home, and that was beautiful, so I put it in my home. I ate that dish at their home, so I cooked it at my home. Right? We don't have to reinvent the whole wheel. It's as simple as, help, Lord. That's literally how simple it is. Proverbs 24, 3 through 4 says, and I'm going to give you all three practical ways to do this, but it says, by wisdom, a house is built, and through understanding, it will remain. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. And ladies, I wrote this for you. Homes don't just happen. They're built with intentionality, with hard work, my strong and capable friends. That's how wisdom builds a house. Through understanding, it remains. Through knowledge, right? It's intentionality that we build our homes with. And so I'm going to give you three ways. And again, listen to me, no condemnation. Wherever you are, as I'm doing this study, I'm like, huh, I can surely get better at that. And you're going to identify something or maybe several things that you can get better at. Just start there. Just start with what comes to your mind, what you can get better at. Three ways to be build our home. Number one, I put management. I am the CEO of my home. It is my personal responsibility to manage what God has entrusted to my care. I'm tending my God gift. This is a get to, not a have to. I manage the upkeep. Y'all, I'm standing on a stage and I miss Michelle and I'm looking really cute here tonight. But let me help you with what that management looks like. I clean my home. Okay, I have a housekeeper that comes every other week because we have a large home and we host a lot out of our home. I clean with my housekeeper. Okay, because she's never going to get it as clean as I really want it, number one. Number two, she doesn't even speak English. I don't know how we communicate. She's been with me years. She holds up the mop, I hold up the broom. She holds up the rag, I hold up the... Today was house cleaning today. Today was house cleaning day. That's what I did all day today. I cleaned my house. There's no magic fairy that flies into the Aranza house and does the laundry. For a family of eight, I do the laundry. Now, yes, I've raised my children. Now, my children are adults, and they do the laundry. But you get my point, okay? Cooking. I make sure there's something in my house that's worth eating. It's not microwave dinners every night because this is stewardship. I'm serving the most important people in my life. Y'all listen to me. With all the things we get to do, there's nothing more valuable to me than my adult children sitting around my table because they chose to. They do that because my home woos them. My home makes room for them. My home prepares a meal for them. My home tends them as well your home can be. If something needs repair, guess what? There's not a magic man that comes with a little hammer. I have to make arrangements. I have to be home. We repair the house together. It's stewardship. Caring for my home, I put as stewardship 101. Me and my family and my friends benefit from all that I do in this home. The title of this message is a home the heart of a home well-tended. We all have the same capability. 
You can tend your home well, whatever your home looks like, like I can tend my home well. Your home woos when you tend it well. My home looks different than my mama's did. I'm a pastor's wife. My mom and dad just worked. Everybody wanted to be at Granny's house all the time. If you know anything about my mom and dad, you know that's true until my dad passed and my mom is now in a home. You woo your guest, and those guests are attracted to you. They're not attracted to me. God's given you influence in their life. He hasn't given me influence in their life. The enemy of a well-tended home is so easy to identify, and I see this all the time, girls. Do you know what it is? Just think, y'all are smart girls. What would you think is the enemy of a well-tended home? What? Laziness, ungratefulness, the spirit of the grass is greener on the other side, which it never, ever, ever is, is carelessness, to name a few. Proverbs 31, 27 says this, she watches well over the ways of her household. She works willingly with her hands. I mean, she wants to, and she does not eat the bread of idleness. Let me show you what the bread of idleness looks like. And I'll, before I do that, I want to say this. We had an individual on staff who is no longer on staff because pretty much his wife disqualified him. But this would happen all the time. He would call Pastor Jacob. This man loved God. And he would go, Pastor, I'm at the dry cleaners again dropping off 60 pounds of laundry because my wife refuses to do it. Pastor, I'm working all the time, and then I come home, and I vacuum, and I mop, and I help prepare food for my children. Okay, that woman disqualified herself and her husband from ministry. Do you know why? Because if she can't take care of her own home and her own children, why would we entrust her with the house of God and God's children? Okay, laziness. The Bible says she doesn't eat the bread of idleness. In this generation, this is what the bread of idleness looks like. If I had my phone on me, this is what it would look like. It would just be this. Toss it. It would just be this. The TV's on, the teenage music's on, and I'm reading my selfies. I don't know who's cooking for those children this evening because the laundry's not done Trash passed this morning, but nobody cared to put it out, so it's still in the garage. Um, just, Lord, oh my God. <laughs> Y'all better behave because your daddy's coming home 30 minutes. Y'all are laughing. That's true. And I deal with it all the time. And you know what, y'all? You know how y'all are wonderful enough to tell us all about your husbands? <laughs> Guess what your husbands are wonderful about? <laughs> Telling the pastors all about y'all. <laughs> don't take it personal. I don't know the personal stories of Bruce Sardin, New Iberia. If we're in Lafayette, I could read everybody mail. But lucky y'all, I'm not in Lafayette. <laughs> y'all just got a grace pass. <laughs> you get what I'm saying, right? Don't be that girl. Y'all, one day I am going to stand before the Lord, and you're going to stand before the Lord. 
And he's just going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with the home I gave you? <laughs> what did you do with the children I gave you? What did you do with the influence I gave you? I don't know. That day will be between you and Jesus. I have a hard enough time taking care of myself. This right here is a full-time job. I'm just trying to get it right. But if I can get it right, guess what? Y'all can get it right. Because there's no difference between me and y'all. Am I being okay? Is this mean? Y'all tracking with me? Okay. Okay. Remember we started, last week we said we're talking to big girls in the room. So y'all are big girls. I'm assuming y'all can handle all this. Um, I, we get, we, what did I say? Friends, we get to choose which one we have, whether it's the consequences of our choices or the blessings of our choices. But the choice ends up with us. Oftentimes, the condition of your home, and I want you to hear me, is very reflective of the condition of your heart. And I want to have a little disclaimer here. And I talked about life being about seasons. If you're someone in this room and you're dealing with the health issues, you got a grace pass. If you're someone in the room and you're in a season, you're taking care of an elderly parent, and you're just thankful you got their meds done, you got them bathed, you got them. Life is about seasons, okay? You get a grace pass. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about the norm of a home, the heart of a home well tended. As a mom, as a steward of your home, there are two things, two choices we have. You know the difference between a thermometer and a thermostat? A thermometer can go all kind of crazy places. It goes really high, it goes really low. It goes really high, it goes really low. It can do whatever it wants. But a thermostat, we set. And I have the ability to set the temperature of my home. And I do. My daughter's sitting on the front row. My assistant's sitting on the front row, who's my other daughter, who I finished raising her as well. Okay. I didn't play. And that can be my next point. The first one is management. The second one is habits of a healthy home. There are a lot of moving parts in any home. It's the hub that we operate our busy lives out of. But lucky us, we're multitaskers. We can do all kind of crazy stuff in a small amount of time. It amazes me what we can do, to be honest. But for all the busyness, let's look at the true heart of your home and the spirit of your home. When you and your family walk into your home on an average day, what are you walking into? Okay, not perfection, but is there a sense of order in your home? Do things make sense? Do things in your home have a home? Like, is there a place the shoes go? Is there a place the, the school bags go? Or can you just throw everything everywhere? Nothing makes sense? Do you walk into a home that has some kind of gracious music playing where you walk in and you're like, wow, I'm coming home at the end of a peaceful day. I'm home. Or do you walk into the TV blaring and kids fighting? And then you say, I mean, I have teenagers, you know, what do you, I don't, they're teenagers. Like they have five heads. I raised six teenagers. Okay, I did not live in a home with a TV blaring ever. Actually, our TV was not even allowed to be on all week long because I didn't want my TV discipling my children. Weekends, my children could watch sports. My children could watch a movie. We had family movie night, right? But we just, we had school. We had homework. We had practices. We had dinner. We had family time. We had neighborhood time. What are you walking into? 
Is it just like a free-for-all, c'est la faire? Or do you, have you set the tone of your home? Because remember this, y'all, you're not a victim. It's your home. You're the only boss they know. You're the only mama they know. I don't care what every other mama's letting their children do. It doesn't matter. They're not your children's mama. You're your children's mama. It's your home. I wish my daughter could walk up here and tell y'all half this stuff. Ooh, they did not play with mama. Five sons and a daughter. They did not play because I meant what I said, and they knew that I meant what I said. And God helped them if something came on that TV that wasn't supposed to, or they were upstairs listening to something they weren't supposed to, because they would have me to reckon with. I mean, I'll never forget the day we're driving down the street, Jacob Jr. put something in, a CD in the thing, and I'm like, what, what, what is that? What would you spend about her? Um, I mean, everybody's listening to it. It's Christian. I'm just like, sounds like it's so demonic. I'm like, oh, really? Well, let me see what that is. Like, I did stuff like that all the time. Am I joking? I just did stuff like that all the time. Because you know what? I control my environment. Whether it's my car or my home, I am not a victim. And you know what, y'all? Listen to me. More is caught than taught. They are watching you. You want to make sure your children do right by your grandchildren? You do right by your children. Because right now you have influence. And when they're adults, you no longer have that influence. Again, I put, is there something worth eating in your home? The heart of your home belongs to you. You have influence. Use it. Things like I wrote this. This sounds so simple, y'all. But setting a table. Setting a table is more than setting a table. It's making place for conversation. You turn all the devices off and everyone sits at a table and you enjoy a meal together and you speak to humans and it says to your family, I value you. It's important what you have to say. I want to actually hear it. That's like a home well tended, the heart of your home tending it well. Put down the devices. Protect your home. Fight for the peace of your home. You will never, ever regret it. And I want to tell you all this. All of my children are raised now. Five of my children, Wesley Ravenhill is in the presence of Jesus. My other four children are all in ministry, full-time ministry. I have one son that's still not serving the Lord, Jacob Jr. He's so doggone close. In his chosen lost state, this is the conversations he calls every day. My God. If I ever have children, if you think I'm letting my children run around like wild banshees, mama, people let their kids watch anything. Mama, these, I mean, there's McDonald's on every corner. I'm watching these mamas, they, their kids eat McDonald's every morning for breakfast. You would have never let us eat. What is this world coming? Put a star on my mama chart in his lost state because they're watching us and all they know is how we raise them. Right? Because they, they watch us and then they repeat us. That's how it works. Remember that more is caught. They're watching. Mama, take an objective look at your home. What does your home say to you? And even when you go home tonight, and again, y'all, there's no, just pick up where you are. Just take, take these principles and go, I can change this. When you walk in your home, go, is this, is this really what I want to walk into? And it may be. Or it may not be. That's between you and Jesus. Memories, number three. Homes are places where we create memories 
that make this crazy life work worth it all. We need the love that making these memories affords us, and so do our families and our friends. What memories are being made in your home? And y'all, it's the simplest, most thoughtful ones that have the longest lifespan. They will always remember how you made them feel. They will not remember what you bought them that ends up in the trash six months from now. Creating memories takes time and hearts. It's not complicated, but it does take heart. Just start now and begin massaging fresh circulation into the heart of your home. Driving up here, Ambly's like, yeah, you know, I love the way this girl does her home. I love this girl does her home. And she's telling me about you, sister chick with the hat. She's like, mama, my friend Andrea, she, her house is already decorated for Christmas. We're going to have a Hallmark movie, and we're going to have this, and we're going to do that. And I'm like, girl, go get it. Now, I wouldn't decorate my house this early for Christmas because it doesn't mean that much to me. But by the time I decorate it, it means a lot. But you know what? The intentionality, it means that much to you, right? It just takes heart. It takes thoughtfulness. When people come to your house and go, I love that she decorates her house so thoughtful. Proverbs 14, 1, and I'm, I'm landing the plane, says, Every wise woman builds her home, but a foolish one tears it down over time by her own actions. And I would say, or by her own inactions. The choice is yours. Because remember, the second law of thermodynamics, anything left to itself has a way of gravitating to complete disorder. That's why we have to be intentional. We don't want to let what's important to us go to ruin. Every home reflects the heart of the one who's called to tend it. That's convicting to me. Every heart reflects the home of the one who's called to tend it. So if you're not satisfied with where your home is today, just check your heart and may auto-correct each of our homes has a heart like each of us has a heart. And you get the heartbeat you nurture within your home. Nurture it. I'm going to finish with this, Matthew 7, 25. The home whose foundation is in Christ stands the test of time and tribulation. And y'all, you know when I said last week that the Bible says this, that the house of God is a strong tower that people run into to find safety. So are our homes Right? When things get crazy, you want to be at your mama's house. You want to be at your mama's house. You want to be with family. Okay? Because those homes have a heartbeat. Life happens there. I know tonight was a lot of information. Did y'all receive what I shared with y'all? Yeah.